Okay, man, a little bit of uh, yes. technical difficulties, but here we are, Marissa. We've done it. One on one live with Coach Blue and Athletic Director Marissa. Sweet. It's good to have you here today. Hope Thank everyone's you. doing well. Thanks for downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, you guys. I greatly appreciate it. Leaving us a review that helps a tremendous amount as well. I didn't realize how important it is to uh, ask people to spend the, you know, the couple of minutes to jump on and give us a review because uh, it puts the podcast out there further. Please, if you listen to this podcast and have not left us a review, we would love you to. Absolutely. You'd be our best friends. Absolutely. We greatly appreciate it. You can do that through any platform uh, that you're listening to the podcast on. Um, but the one-on-one live with Coach Blue is a, a weekly show we've been doing now for almost two years. And yeah. we started this through the pandemic um, a little bit before, actually. Was it? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, this is a weekly show where you guys can call in or submit questions. And, and we talk about anything through uh, addiction recovery, mental health, uh, family systems, relationships, communication, uh, sports, athletics, what have you, because yeah. uh, Coach Blue, licensed mental health therapist and substance use disorder counselor. And you? I am a certified recreational therapist. Absolutely. So uh, I think between the two of us, we should be able to answer questions you might have. Hopefully. Um, and today we're gonna take a little bit of a deep dive into some current news that we thought might be important for you guys to know. There's so many times the news uh, that uh, revolves around addiction, addiction recovery kind of gets swept under the rug. Um, it's not as sexy as, as some of the other things you get to watch. And I don't watch too much news, do a little bit of reading. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we're gonna jump into a few topics I thought were kind of interesting. Um, because without a little bit of light shed on them, uh, they could go fade away to obscurity. It makes you wonder why things aren't getting yeah. done because you know, where do you start? But before we do that, Marissa, I want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. You guys are making this possible. You allow us uh, the, the platform to, to produce, to host, to, to increase our reach in the podcast. So thank you so much. Um, if you want to become a Patreon subscriber to qualify yourself for you know some per some perks and some bonuses and some content, Bonus content, yeah, yeah, feel free to do so. You jump on Patreon.com/slash/addicttoathlete. You pick a platform that works for you. Please, you know that two dollars a month can yeah. get you all the bonus material. We have a recovery playbook <clears throat> that is keep you know week by week. Mm -hmm. We're publishing more and more content. If you need a little help with your recovery and Maybe you're done doing the treatment thing. Maybe you don't have the money, the insurance, the time to get to treatment. This is something you can do on your own, flexible at your own time, in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. And it gives you lots of tips and tricks. And so there's a basic one that we're doing right now that's there, but we also have another advanced, advanced option with more um, resources online for right now it's on sale for 150 a month, but yeah. you could get the basic for $2. Two dollars a month. If you pay that all up front, you get a steep sixteen discount. bucks. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you become a Patreon subscriber for sixteen bucks a year? Come on, my goodness. But I want to thank our super fans. They include Jerem Thurston. Thank you so much, brother. Jerem's uh, growing his jungle beard down there in Brazil, yeah. crushing it. Um, Jerem, the sunshine's back now, so maybe it's time to come home for a minute, man. Yeah, he always comes home. In the, yeah, the temperature Sometimes. has to reach a certain peak before he feels comfortable. Yeah. Right? He only he he only lives at ninety degrees. Plus. Absolutely. Tracy Whitby, Holly Davies, Scott Foster, and the Foster family. Thank you guys so much. Coach Chris Williams, Brett Frew, Coach Tara Butson out there in Telluride, Colorado. Thank you. Uh, Steve Riggs, and of course, the Warrior Within podcast and personal development by Sensei KP. Sensei KP has that Warrior Within podcast uh, also hosted by Radio Ronan. So go jump on because there's yeah. some good content there. 
Our rookie level subscribers, thanks so much, Kenny Roseman. Kenny had a little bit of a back injury, hasn't been able to oh, really? get out and run as much. And I can tell it's just eating him alive. So, oh, Kenny, we're thinking about you, brother. We'll get you back up to speed. But thank you so much for being part of the, the Patreon family. Share Bear Sherry Paulson, I'm sure, is out there cruising across America in her, in her 18 plus wheel semi because she pulls all those extra trailers, right? Yes. So, she's a rock star. Thank you so much. And then, of course, we have uh, Earl Dyer and uh, Mary and Sione Inok. Uh, uh, thank you guys yeah. so much. Thank you guys for being part and of welcome. this. Absolutely. Our pro level subscriber. Thank you so much, Gary Thurston. Man of my own heart right there. Oh, yeah. Yep. My dad. We thank like you. That guy. Love your support. Yeah. Our championship level subscribers. Thank you so much, Ron and D. Loesch and Shad and Freya Robison and the Robison family. Yes, thank you. You guys Loches are awesome. Robisons. You know, the, uh, the Robisons just did a, another half marathon, I believe, with Emma over the weekend. Yeah, they did with the, Matt, uh, Matt Crandall. Matt Crandall was able to Old push. friend of ours. A few of our other athletes were out there running that. So yeah. good job, you guys. So, yeah, St. Patrick's Day one. Absolutely. So you guys, really, it, it, it's a blessing and uh, very humbling to, to have this kind of support. And uh, the more we get, the stronger this will be. And you guys definitely put the air underneath what we're doing here. So thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you. So thanks. Patreon.com slash addict to athlete. Um, real quick, our website, you guys jump on there. Marissa, uh, like, like really does kind of invest a lot of time on there to make it easy for you to access from upcoming events to all of our backlog podcasts, our online store, which is, which is uh, doing pretty well. Jump on yeah. there and check it out. We've got a lot nice. of merchandise. Yeah. We have running jerseys. We have cycling kits we have just regular t-shirts hoodies hats beanies everything you'd want to know yeah from addict to athletes official team gear right down to our extracurricular recovery um line of uh, of merchandise and so the cool thing about it too and uh, we were talking about this the other day is you spend an enormous amount of time making sure that that's quality too yes like the shirts we have they're not just the standard issue cotton yeah. bees you, you know, now you have lots of people going viral on TikTok and whatever, and they're all of a sudden, they just put out their merch. If you look at the descriptions, almost all of them are like 100% cotton. So and if you've, you ever, watch it. if you've ever worn 100% cotton, that's like old school wool now. Yeah. It's like scratchy. It feels like sandpaper. And I think almost all of our shirts on there are mm-hmm. like a tri-blend or a 50-50 blend and they're fantastic material. Fantastic. Yeah. I used to not think that was a big part of it, but you do, you put in a lot of bonus work to make yeah. sure they get the good stuff. So check it out. Uh, it's again, addictathlete.org and you can follow all the, the links to the store. Okay. Marissa, anything you have that these listeners need to know before we dive into some of these topics? Let's see. I don't know. I Stay tuned to all the social media outlets, right? Yep. I post everywhere. We also, I've updated our events calendar on our website with all of our future things for the really big events for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So please hop on there. You can see, you can even plan out things that you want to come to and join Addict Athlete. Absolutely. And it's, it's not a, it's, we were talking about this last night in the meeting. A lot of people get a little bit intimidated by the name addict to athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, We are not all-star collegiate athletes. We are all in the the beginning stages of recreating life, right? Applying recreation and healing to the process of overcoming mental health. The key for us is recreating recovery. So recreating. So don't be, don't be afraid to to come and, and jump on because really there's, there's the team waiting for you again. We, I mean, we have some very great and amazing elite athletes. Um, but we have a lot of beginners and all the way in between. So never feel like you're not 
up to par with someone else. Like we have them everywhere. And in fact, even some of our best athletes love to slow down and join and coach and help some of the beginners. So that's true. That's true. Never hesitate. Come on out. Getting some decent glare right now in these glasses because my, my eyes falling out. Right. Yeah. My gosh, this hurts. Yeah. Little eye problem. I can't see myself. Uh, I doing think he much stuck something in his eye and man. So I awful. can scare all you viewers by taking my glasses off and showing you, but we won't do that because it's right around lunchtime. Let's jump into this. Marissa, I've been, I've been surfing a little bit and, and finding some interesting news stories. There's so many, the fentanyl issue is yeah. running rampant. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of attention being brought to it. We're being warned about it, but I don't think people are taking it seriously. There's, there are overdose deaths left and right with this, and it's, it's bad. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, uh, all of you who have loved ones out there, or if you're struggling with addiction hearing this, please be careful because there are, there are a lot of substances now that are being cut with it to expand the product. And just the most minute amount can result in an overdose. Yeah. It's, it's pretty scary and it's going everywhere and it's being pressed into Xanax pills. And so not just other opioids, they're, you know, they're surprising everybody where it's at. So absolutely. I mean, you're talking, you know, know, 10 to 15, sometimes 50% even stronger than, than the basic opiate. So you've got to be careful, but you know, as I was looking at at some of these stories, um, a few of them kind of caught my attention. And it's, it's to answer some questions that we typically get because you and I have been in the treatment addiction world for quite a while. We, mm-hmm. we own and operated our own program and, until we started peeling back the layers and seeing some of the things there that weren't real, real kosher with our own belief systems. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting paradigm because uh, we're now starting to see um, the ugly side of addiction and addiction treatment start to um be exposed. It's been around a long time, but we've seen it now the last quite a few years, but hopefully yeah, more people are, absolutely. but it's pretty heartbreaking. So just yesterday, well, actually this is today, this is breaking news today. There was an interesting um, article that I was kind of touching base on. And uh, the title is Florida brothers sentenced in $112 million addiction treatment fraud scheme. Now, there are some good programs out there and there are some really bad programs out there. And listeners, yeah. if you are thinking about addiction recovery and needing to, to put in the time, the effort, the energy, and absolutely the money, yeah. I want you all to make sure you do your research. Sometimes the biggest to flashiest websites aren't all they're cracked up to be. Nope. You need to have boots on the ground. This is a serious commitment that you're making. And uh, this is what we see happen because when things happen so fast and, and so rampant, we started seeing people opening up treatment centers and, and maybe at first with some good intent, but once oh, they yeah. realized the, the, uh, the, the amounts of money that can be made. Well, I think it's twofold. Some it's the money, other it's the work. Yeah. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And that's okay. At least for me and you, it was because we care about the clients and the patients, but for a lot of people, it's too much work. Yeah. So Um, Sadly, in the addiction recovery industry and field, there is not a lot of standards of care. There's specific standards with, you know, accreditation like JCO, but those are things like safety and fire hazards. It has nothing to do with clinical care, treatment, um, client, yeah, yeah, client investment and care. And so they can have a million and one accreditations from different companies that say that they're good, but that doesn't mean that they're good and doing good treatment. Yeah. 
because there isn't any standards of care. So they can do the exact same thing and make the exact same amount of money, whether they put in no treatment, minimal, lie, cheat, and client gets pays the same. So why work hard? Why work hard? Well, it goes on to say, this is from the UPI news. It talks about two brothers were sentenced uh, to prison um, for orchestrating a $112 million addiction treatment fraud scheme. Um, let's see, Joe, I see Jonathan Mark, Mark, see, Markovich, 37, and his brother Daniel Markovich, 33, were sentenced in uh, Florida's South District Court. The two were accused of running a scheme that included paying kickbacks to patients uh, through recruiters and receiving kickbacks from testing laboratories. The brothers uh-huh. billed $112 million for treatment services that were uh, medically unnecessary and never provided. The brothers supplied uh, uh, illegal kickbacks to enter patients into the program um, called Second Chance Detox Inpatient Residential Facility. Um, the, uh, the the two brothers um, had to have been doing this for for quite a while to yeah, to accumulate a hundred and twelve million dollars. So it said that the uh, the two men uh, scoffed at the core group of patients between the detox and the they call it the war cycle, which is an acronym for their program, um, and that they uh, were proven to have fraudulently billed for services that were never rendered, oh. or over process over um, over you know, charging. Yeah. Oh yeah. Services. I've, I've seen yeah lab bills and UA bills for ridiculous amounts for what it takes. Yeah. Ridiculous. John amounts. Oliver did a great piece on this several years ago about oh, the treatment really? industry. And it's, Oh yes, It's I, kind of a sucker punch, but it did. It talks about how there's, when there's money to be made, sometimes the, uh, the, you know, the lunatics kind of come out, but the, the uh, both offered illegal kickbacks to patients through recruiters who use things like illegal drugs, airline tickets, and cash payments to secure patients to enter into the facility. Um, recruiters gave patients drugs uh, immediately prior to admission to ensure they oh, yeah. would receive the most expensive type of detox yep. treatment once admitted. Yep. So they were also uh, handed out court documents uh, that refer to a, refer to as a comfortable drink. Um, this was a harmful amount of uh, controlled substance given to them to sedate them as they entered to ensure they stayed at the facility over medicated. Can you believe this? These men. Well, and on oh. the other hand, I do not agree with that at all. But on the other hand, it's so frustrating because I've worked with clients. I've, you know, when we were in treatment, even since we've left working in that industry, working with some of our athletes, trying to get them in treatment that insurance won't cover, it won't pay unless they have a certain amount of substances in their body. If they're detoxing on their own, they say, oh, they're fine. They can just stay home and detox. We don't need to pay for them to. And so clients will often go and overdose or do something they shouldn't, you know, take too much saying, I need to get into treatment. I've got to have this much substance in my body so that I can be kept behind the doors and get help, which is heartbreaking. It is. It's kind of a crazy thing. Right. And so it says, uh, you know, uh, the men also built for therapy sessions that were not provided that patients did not even attend (sighs) as well as um, excessively and unnecessarily providing urinary drug tests. So this is a funny thing too, about how many times they would drug test people in residential care Yeah, when they weren't leaving the facility, Yeah, you know, like, why do they need to be drug tested that often? And let alone most substances are staying in their body for, you know, a certain amount of days anyway. So for sure, they don't need to be drug tested every day. Every day. And the interesting thing about that too, though, is that, you know, we used to kind of, kind of play it by the thumb of rule, which was 
hey, you know, are their behaviors matching like substance use, right? Yeah. And so if you start building a relationship with the client, they start understanding kind of how they tick and you can start telling, you can kind of tell if they're yeah. off their game, if it's something that feels a little bit more medically or, or something that's a little bit more like foreign substance, like yeah. you've got to have boots on the ground and be invested. But these guys were, were 110% test them all because ground. then they get more money from the insurance. So the problem with what happens with this kind of stuff is that it leaves a huge distaste in the mouths of people who need like legitimate care. Absolutely. And that's why we're going to precurse all this with do your homework and research. And sometimes it's more than just a Google review that you read. Yeah. It's boots on the ground. Yeah. Like if you have the chance to go to the facility, look around, I would even ask to talk to one of the clients who's in treatment there now, not just the staff. Mm -hmm. Um, I would do it. Ask about how many groups they're having a week. How often will they get one-on-one counseling? What licenses do the therapists have? Are the therapists that meeting with them face-to-face, what licenses do they have? Not just somebody that's on the payroll signing and you know doing the documentation, but what's really happening. Yeah. So Jonathan, the older of the two, was handed a 188-month prison sentence and his brother a 97 uh, month prison sentence. Um, And and it just kind of goes to show like how ruthless some of this can really be Um, because you guys, there are, there are good ones out there and there's, there's only maybe, maybe two or three that even I would feel comfortable sending someone to. And it's not so much because of these kind of issues. It's also because of the quality of care. I'm noticing a lot of, of uh, therapeutic kind of like interventions beginning to, to waver and being replaced with, um, you know, counselors or, or, um, peer, peer support or, yeah, peer support and peer supports do great. They're needed. They have their place. They're important, Absolutely. but they should not be doing everything. Absolutely. So you need to see what kind of clinical time, uh, you're going to be receiving because you're going there for the clinical yeah. investment. You can get peer support stuff at many other community-based programs at, you know, support groups outside of there. So if that's all you're looking for, then. So then tell me this because you and I have seen this in several um, programs and whatnot. What is the difference then having like, cause I'm duly licensed as a mental health therapist and an addictions counselor. Yes. They're two very different scopes. Are Uh they not? Yeah. So why do you think um, it's difficult, even though we have maybe a, a substance use disorder counselor with, with just a, just like some, some fire in their soul because they just are passionate about their job. Why would it be a bad thing to kind of rely on them to provide the clinical care that a therapist should? Um, because a substance use disorder counselor can only do what's here and now and forward. And it's mainly only related to the addiction and the substance use. And as anyone knows, and what we've been preaching forever is the addiction is only a symptom of the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's only a behavior that needs to be addressed. And it's only, you know, we can teach people how to not use substances, but why are they using and going and finding the core issue and working on some of that, some of the negative self-talk, some of the trauma, things that have been ingrained for years and years and decades, that takes a master's level and higher. So we've, we've seen this in real time where there's been a lot of passion and desire to want to do more. But what we saw was that the you know, individuals would be great about exposing trauma, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't know what to do with it after. Yeah. 
And so that's that's why a master's degree or higher is is so crucial when you're entering into a situation like this, because although there are ama- amazing counselors out there, yeah, you know, counselors are amazing people, and they're kind of the backbone because they do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yep. Um, their their scope of practice is only so far. Yeah. What we see is a lot of people practicing under the license of a clinical therapist, and providing these kind of services. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of like, you know, cutting a few corners. And I know that it's, it's so the clinician, the master's level is just signing off on notes and maybe meeting with that counselor once a week or every two weeks to just kind of review what's happening behind the closed doors, but they're not there with them or they're not guiding, teaching, directing as they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with group counseling and group counseling can be so beneficial. There's so much that can happen where everyone can see different people's perspectives and share those ideas. And if that's all just being run by a peer support, that's not going to be as helpful in the long term as a clinician. Absolutely. So, and don't get me wrong. I understand it's expensive. And the problem about this too, is for the ones that really are sticklers to some of the, I'm going to say the ethics and the rules Mm -hmm. therein. Um, they end up kind of having to burn it at both ends because yeah. it costs a lot of money to to have you know qualified staff and to make sure that per, that services are provided and that their yeah. time allow, allotments are being are being there. But it's not impossible; it can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it's the same thing with rec therapy. As a rec therapist, I've been doing rec therapy now since like 1998, a very long time, wow. and. In most of that time, I've always felt like I was like fighting to keep my job because as a bachelor's level licensed, I'm state certified and nationally certified to, to do this. And I do a lot more clinical stuff mm-hmm. and therapeutic interventions rather than just the recreation. They're kind of intertwined. Um, so I cost more and I don't think I cost that much. Realistically, mm-hmm. if you're no. talking about cost of living, I've never been paid that well, but a lot of administrators would look at the programming and think, well, I, I just need somebody that likes to do rock climbing and knows how to rollerblade and skate. Yeah. Like they, they can do that. Yeah. You know, somebody that's passionate about recreation, but there's a whole different piece about assessment and goals and treatment plans and clinical and being able to process the issues, not just take them to play. And so Oftentimes, yeah, I, I got cut multiple times at different facilities because why we could just find a hire an activity person, you know, and it's, it's the same thing. There's, you get what you pay for when you invest in quality people. See, and that's the thing too, though, is I think in addiction recovery, the role of a recreational therapist is just as crucial as the substance use disorder counselor, if not more, because what happens when they go home? Yeah. If you don't know how to recreate sober, if you don't know how to, if you don't have coping skills and stress relief, which is mm-hmm. what recreation does, mm-hmm. you'll relapse. And often addiction starts in that leisure time. It starts when yep. people are recreating and having fun and it ends up slowly just growing and engulfing their whole lives. And if you don't separate those two things, it's really hard for people to live sober mm-hmm. and be able to recreate and do life if they've never learned how to separate those things and have them. So this is the concept of erase and replace that we uh, we kind of coined uh, specifically with, with m- maybe a pathway, what Marissa's talking about. 
let's say you have a kid who's got some video game addiction or issues, right? And we say that loosely because uh, did you know that video game addiction uh, and media that way is not uh, a diagnosable um, diagnostic code right now. It's not even in the DSM. Yeah, there's a lot. It will be soon, I hope. But well, um, just like addiction isn't in the DSM. So when somebody says I'm an addict, no, you may have a substance use disorder, Yeah, but there's no, that's a whole nother podcast. We'll start. (laughs) But that's the thing, right? Is if we're going to erase that, we have to replace it with something of greater value. Mm -hmm. And that means that there's going to have to be some extracurricular type activities experiencing. If you can do that with purpose um, that Marissa specializes in, then that's great. That's one reason why addict to athlete works so well is because it's not so much the therapeutic investment, it's the being able to teach them how to play again, how to enjoy life, how to yeah. find hobbies and experiences, something yeah. to, to put their days, um, you know, leading toward weekends and experiences and stuff so that they can start having like yeah. new family. And that's even experience. just a portion of what I do as a rec therapist. You know, there's all of the other parts that I do about, you know, social skill development and problem solving and communication and anger management. And all of those things need to be worked on. And those can't fully be addressed all the time in a group counseling setting or just in, you know, a treatment house, a rehab without yeah. a, a clinician, a rec therapist usually. So uh, all you out there who are running some shady programs, be careful because they're coming. And so it's time to, to, it's time to really shape it up. I mean, that's why we keep talking about it. I don't, I'll talk till I'm blue in the face. I need people to know and understand that there's other things out there and that you've got to be, well, mostly because people invest so much in their loved ones and treatment and rehab to, yeah, to just go anywhere. And obviously there's sometimes that that just needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people can get, change their life and make a huge impact by going anywhere. As we've seen people find recovery in jail. They don't need anyone there to help them and they stay recovered for years and decades Mm -hmm. in the lifetime. But if you really want to invest in doing what's best, yeah find a good program. Absolutely. And so do do your research, feel free to contact us if you need any other like tips or some guidance on how to do that. Marissa, this next one's kind of interesting. Um, This comes from, uh, from state news, strat news, sorry. It says doctors and companies, they push to uh, keep looser pandemic era rules for prescribing opiate addiction treatment via telemedicine. And uh, what we looked at is during the pandemic, we all kind of stretched out of our comfort zones. And we started streamlining some things that typically were, I I think, established through tradition. Yep. And because of the pandemic, we opened up a few doors of like, of of making things easy and more accessible Mm -hmm. to great success. Yeah. But now there's a push to get things back to the old way. And I don't think it's I don't think it's a good idea. I think old way will always be, it's the path of least resistance. It's what people know Mm -hmm. and understand. And if people can be seen in an office or in a clinic face-to-face, absolutely. It will be helpful, but there are so many people that need to have the ability to do it. Telehealth, whether it's, Hey, I don't, I don't have anyone in my local community community. I trust, or I like, or I think is qualified enough. Well, guess what? I can travel across the country and see somebody on the computer that can give me quality care better Mm -hmm. than somebody in my community, or I don't have the funds and resources to travel, or I don't have daycare 
Yeah. How do I get to the doctor? <clears throat> you I don't know? have time because I'm at yeah. work. So <clears throat> I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the thing, right? Is everyone has a cell phone. Yep. Right. Even the homeless people, even homeless people have cell phones, which is you interesting. Nowadays you have to, but not everyone has transportation. Not everybody mm. has access to recovery treatment. Nope. So it got a lot easier for patients with the opiate addiction to seek medicine and medication remotely during the pandemic. And now uh, addiction doctors um, and telehealth companies are pushing Congress to make those flexibilities more permanent. Good. I, I believe so. I think, you know, I think it's a great idea before COVID-19 patients had to see a doctor in person for prescribe for prescriptions to help them with their addictions, like buprenorphine, right? Mm -hmm. Now, at least temporary, they can get them via telehealth, yeah. which I think is one of these aspects that without the pandemic, we wouldn't have noticed how important it is. But with the increase that we've seen of addiction and yeah. mental health issues through the pandemic, this has been a blessing. Oh yeah. Why in the world would we want to take away something backwards. that's working? Yeah, like step backwards through technology, why? Exactly. So experts say losing these rules will help, will, will uh, eliminate longstanding barriers to addiction care um, that these people are in desperate need of. So you've been doing telehealth now for a couple of years. Yeah. What are some benefits that you see from it versus face-to-face? -face? First of all, the, the most amazing thing is, is time, right? It's yeah. convenient for the person, um, whether it's a lunch break, whether it's uh, before or after school, um, the interesting thing is a lot of people didn't like the Zoom stuff, but I'm thinking that means that you probably have a bad therapeutic relationship because you can bring the same quality of therapeutic investment with someone sitting across from you via telehealth as they yeah. can in your office if you're invested. What I have heard is so many people trying to find good therapists because the other therapists are distracted. I had one client that was when I was working through some better help stuff mm -hmm. that said um, like her last therapist uh, had cats walking all over her. You could tell that she was kind of like fading away. And I'm like, that is bizarre. Yeah. Right. So there, there are some limitations, but also I'm like, yeah, if, if you have a therapist like that, they'd probably be a problem in person. In person, as well. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've seen it work tremendously. You know, yeah. uh, with the occasional problem with, with internet itself yeah. and, and poor connections, um, that, that in real time, absolutely. It, it's phenomenal. Well, and I've heard reports from other medical providers and doctors even being like, <clears throat> I find it helpful to see them in their home environment. Sometimes people will act differently, uh -huh. let alone I can kind of see around, or maybe they can take me on their phone or computer and go show me you know, the barn they've been working on. And like, sometimes we can have deeper understanding connection and know what that home environment is, which is huge. It's a huge piece of really focusing on holistic health is being able to know some of that. And over here, maybe you're over here, a fight and an argument in the other room. Yeah. You're going to be able to talk about that and Absolutely. address some of those issues, mm -hmm. not just when that person's face-to-face. -face. You know, what's interesting too, is there's been several, um, when, again, like last summer when I was doing a lot more of it, where I could see in real time, even like depression, they weren't experiencing because what do you do when you look around their house, right? Yeah. You're like, man, you guys have a lot of clutter. Yeah. You have a like, lot. How are you really yeah. feeling? And so I bring it up and like, how hard is it for you to find the, the motivation and the energy to clean up after, you know, a day of just chaos and craziness. And they're mm -hmm. like, it, it's, it's hard. 
But when they come to my office, right, they could be looking fantastic. We wouldn't yeah. know that. And so, they'd never probably bring that up no, or even recognize not. that maybe that's a sign of depression. Absolutely. And that maybe their depression is worse than their reporting because they don't even know that that's an issue. Exactly. And so what we see then is with this, when we have the record number of people passing away through overdose, why not make it easier and yeah. more accessible for doctors to not only prescribe it via telehealth, but also yeah. lightening the rules so we can get more doctors. Yeah. I hope. In it. Yeah. Right now they limit how many doctors can subscribe, which is prescribe so buprenorphine, which I think is so dumb. They've never limited how many people can write a prescription for opiates. opiates. Yeah. Thank you. So, Sackler family. You morons. Yes. So you know, that limit needs to be cut. It needs Isn't to be cut that, so dramatically. Anyone hearing this should be pissed Yeah, that for, for over two decades, three decades, the Sackler family was pushing this Oxycontin as if it was candy. Mm -hmm. Zero, zero limits. Zero limits. And that's part of the issue. Like some people say, oh, if you go to Suboxone or Buprenorphine, it's just switching one addiction for another. Well, Buprenorphine has a ceiling. Mm -hmm. It has a limit that shuts off the opiate receptors. And so you cannot get higher than high higher than high opiates. You can, you can take enough to overdose and die mm -hmm. where, you know, a buprenorphine is going to hold you at a certain limit and that's it. Yeah. And that's way safer than opiates that they're just handing out. There's a lot of these traditions uh, and this is one that needs to go because yeah. when we start looking at, at, again, it's easier to prescribe Oxycontin than it is, you know, for, you know, buprenorphine, we have a, we have a huge issue. Yeah. Like, I would love to know the thinking behind that. But even President Biden just, just said this as well. And I know that people are, are pissed off at him and who cares, guys? But like, you know, whoever's in there, who is who's in there. Yeah. But he made it clear that he wants addiction treatment more widely available. And during his last State of the Union address, if you heard yeah. it, if you caught this, he says, time to get rid of outdated rules that stop doctors from prescribing treatments. Absolutely. Absolutely. We and need to start thinking outside the box. The statistics on addiction, addiction recovery treatment have not changed in like 30, 40, 50 years. That means there's a problem Absolutely. there. I don't know of any other treatment industry with cancer, with anything, with any other scientific background where improvement has had zero change that people have just been okay with that. If that were the case in any other industry, they would be slant, you know, people would be marching up and down with pickets and, and that needs to start happening with addiction treatment. It has not changed. The no. success rate has not changed. And yes, it's much different. We have to define things different, but that's okay. That means we need to be thinking outside the box and be open to new ideas and trying them. So let me tell you, because there are some critics against this that want to go back to the old school, school way. So critics of the bill say telehealth makes it more difficult for doctors to determine whether patients are mis, misusing prescriptions. Some also argue that if it's easier to get the drugs, patients might also sell them. That's what they've been doing That's what they've for been decades. Doing with their Oxycontin, you morons. Meeting with you in the hospital. Whoever whoever, whatever legislator, whatever yeah. senator, whatever, whoever is in your local government that is against this, I want you to go find out who's financing them. Yeah. Because that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Because they don't think that if they go to a doctor, they can do that same thing. Yeah. They're more likely to be selling their, their narcotics than their, than their MAT. 
Yeah. Well, an MIT, people say, oh, well, it's abusable because they're selling on the street. Most of the time, they've done tons of research. Uh Most of the people that use it on the street are because they're trying to detox themselves. themselves. They're trying to cut down. They don't have insurance. They don't have resources. They want to quit. And that's why they're doing it. They're not going and buying it to get high. If you have the money, you would go buy heroin or opiates and get high. You wouldn't go buy Suboxone where there's a ceiling effect. Mm -hmm. There's no point in that. Yeah, absolutely. And then there, they, the critics also say there, there are also questions too about reaching pa- patients uh, without accessing smartphones or computers without losing privacy. Um, oh, well. Again, it's an option. I'm it doesn't mean the that person, they're all going to go that way. I'm going to give the person on the other end of that smartphone enough, enough of their choice to say, I feel comfortable talking yeah. about this. I feel that this in is my private, break room with nobody here or yeah. in my bedroom, in my living room Yep, with my headphones on because chances are the people around that person already know there's an issue. Yeah. Does Let's give sense? them the resources to get help rather than limit because that's what you think is not okay. So until you can find some real issues with this, those critics who are, are kind of trying to put a, a roadblock in this, I want to yeah. find out who they are and do Why? a deep dive on who's funding them. Yeah. Why? Yeah, because that's just stupid. So it, it's an interesting thing. And we're still kind of in the infancy of, of MAT. And I know there's still a lot of people that get up in arms about this. Are you truly clean if you're using MAT? Mm-hmm. And my own personal opinion is yes. Yeah. You know, and, again, uh, it's behaviors. Mm-hmm. So if they're following prescriptions, if they're following it as prescribed, if they're going to work, if they're, you know, being good citizens, loving their family then they're fine. If they're lying, stealing, cheating, they can do that when they're sober and they're clean and they're not using a substance. I've seen people do tons of addictive behaviors that are destructive without ever even taking a substance. Absolutely. So let's look at that more than the substance. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And it's was an interesting thing. So, you know, um, during uh, typically during the first of the year, usually it's, it's the month of February and a little bit into March, there's always your state legislatures. Please write your congressman, write your local representatives, yeah. talk about the need for this kind of stuff. Um, when we start pitching tents in these absolutes, we start losing a lot of the ground of, of I guess, potential change that could happen. I was just recently on Facebook and I saw a post from somebody that's in the industry who was very up in arms that they would have the audacity to call addiction a disease and narrowed it down to a moral weakness. And you're a weak person if you call it a disease because you're not willing to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. Not, he said, I think he said something in terms of, you're not ready to take care of your shit. And I'm like, you, sir, are an idiot. And I had a little yeah. bit more respect for you until I read this. Yeah, and we disagree on most of the reason of a disease, mm-hmm. but- come out and say that, like that's severe I judgment. Think the disease of addiction is rare, but it absolutely yeah. exists. Does it, any addiction change the mind and how it works? Yeah. Do some people want to quit and just can't? Mm-hmm. Yes. So to tell them they're weak, that's not going to help. Because there are people that, that and, and the reason why is because I've seen people and more often than not, 99% of the people I've worked with they're abusing the substance. Yeah. But then there's that 1%, or, or and this is my own statistics here, that I would say have the disease. Yeah. And so if you try to plant your flag in either one of those, you end up, I think, like eating some humble pie and it's stupid. Yeah. Because it, it really doesn't matter, but it's both. Yeah. And that old kind of mindset. 
So this last story I wanted to talk about, I thought was very interesting. We talked a lot uh, in, in past episodes about this overdose issue, the losing of how many you know, you know, yeah. parents and, and, and providers um, and the, the opiate orphans that are going to be um, gaining an age. These, yeah. these are the kids now around that us. you'll start seeing turning 17, 18, 19 now. Right. Yeah. There's already some, there's already some that are out there. And so what happens when you have a child grow up without a primary caregiver because of addiction, this and new study, death. Yeah. this new study talks about one in four children impacted by apparent addiction to drugs or alcohol uh, run more of a risk to uh, also become part yeah. of that addictive cycle. One in four. That's a high, that is a lot. Yeah. So I peel back the layer on this too. And I think we've got to be very careful with also our, and I hate using this term, recreational substance use mm. as, as alcohol is, is already kind of a devastating substance in and of itself, yes. which are adding Even more, yeah, which are adding more to the, to the mix, right? So yeah, marijuana. THC, marijuana, more accessible, not just for medical, but there's a lot of places now that use it recreational. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I think that's the dumbest thing. Recreational drug use it just doesn't compute with me because not only are you now free to use the substance, but you're also got to remember what you're doing. Anytime you're intoxicated, you are not present for your family system. Yeah. And if that's a choice you want to make to go right ahead. Yeah. It I think is. people should have the choice. Absolutely. I don't like pushing that, um, but people need to be aware that yes, if you're using it, let alone whatever you give somebody the choice to do like that, there's going to be a ton that mm -hmm. cannot limit that will become addicted that bring on other dangers and intoxicated driving, intoxicated you know, parenting, but some can keep it in a legal limit, but you're like, you're saying there's always a loss somewhere. Mm -hmm. What are they something has to give disconnecting from mm -hmm. and how much, and are you, are you self-aware to know what are you checking out from and why? And yeah. is that being addressed rather mm -hmm. than just the recreation of it? Yeah, absolutely. It says research shows young people raised in substance use disorder environments are four times more likely to become addicts themselves if they start using alcohol or illegal drugs. Well, that's yeah. a duh, right? I mean, yeah. it's a family system kind of yeah. like circle. It's generational issue. Mm -hmm. So the family really needs to understand that this is a family issue, a family problem. Um, and it does, and is, as it says here, affect the entire family. Yeah. So I really think it's important to understand that uh, the do as I say, not as I do mentality does not work anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm seriously not going to critique anyone's personal choices, but you have to understand that if you're doing that, you're distracting yourself from some pretty important moments. Yeah. You're going to run out of time with these kids. You know, and none of them, I wouldn't want to, to wish this on any of my kids, yeah. a substance use issue, a pornography issue, an eating disorder, all these kind of things. You have to understand these kids are sponges. They watch everything. We, yeah. And this is their childhood, right? Yeah. This is their childhood. And chances are, if you're using substances, you've bumped into some pretty heavy childhood yourself. Yeah. So are you going to continue this now? Well, what does that mean? Dealing with life on life terms. That's why the family approach to all of this recovery is so vitally important. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting um, simply because we don't think about it 
hurting anyone. We kind of look at it as, I'm going to say a victimless crime. Yeah. That makes sense. That I'm, I'm an adult and I can make my own choices and this is okay. It's not a big deal. Attached to this story was also a link to another one that was kind of like, well, how in the crap did you guys get funding for this study? Because well, duh. And it's people that are using um, recreational marijuana and or medical cannabis have a, 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 a higher potential for substance abuse um, than previously uh, uh, interpreted or thought. No, duh. Duh. You didn't need a study for that. But <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. There are people that use it appropriate, but then there's also that potential to misuse. I've worked with a lot of people who have been prescribed THC that have abused it. Yep. Right. I told you about the time I was at a treatment center. I was working at for a very small amount of time. And uh, the, the doctor across the hall from my office uh, was capable and able to prescribe THC. And uh, one day I heard this girl and they're just like cheering. Like she's like, yeah, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when I came out, I'm like, whoa, what was that? And uh, one of the other counselors was like, oh, well, yeah, she just got her prescription to marijuana. Like, and I'm like, what? Uh, uh, that's kind of weird. I mean, I get it, but like no one's ever given me like. Maybe there's a problem. A medication there. and I'm like doing backflips. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, there's a little bit of an issue there. Yeah. To each their own. Nonetheless, those are a few thoughts. I mean, some of these stories we talk about, what, what comes to mind with some of the stuff that you've kind of like heard in the news today? We've yeah, got a lot of work like to we, do, don't we? We do. We have education. We've got people need to personally do a lot of work, whether it's therapy, counseling, self-awareness on what are you doing? Why? What's, the, you know, what's mm -hmm. the motivation behind it? Is it, you know, address assessing your life? Like, where am I missing? What can I do better? Well, you know what? I think anyone, like, let's start with the first story. You can find treatment and recovery under a rock if you're looking for it. Yep. So even the worst of the worst treatment centers, guys, if you're serious about it, you can find your yeah. recovery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, telehealth, MAT, um, this, is your, this is your world. You get to choose, you know, who you vote in. You get yeah. to choose what topics there? We, we did a great podcast with Brad Daw, yeah. one of our own representatives, you know, and he's a great advocate for addiction recovery yes. and is instrumental in helping move the, the THC bill here in Utah mm -hmm. for medical purposes. And trying to get it into a safe place to, for it to be used. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's admirable. You know, mm -hmm. you go back and listen to his podcast we did here on, on public on service. The show. Uh -huh. um, and so there's benefits there. There's benefits to telehealth, mm -hmm. right? And so getting involved with this stuff doesn't mean like just pointing fingers. One of the things that Brad talked about was don't just point out problems. Yeah. What are you, what is your idea for a solution? Yeah. Because again, he was, he was talking about how there's, yeah, all of these guys that are doing service for our each state for the government, they don't know, they're not, you know, professionals in every single industry, but they're making like laws and all these standards for every industry. So if you are a professional in an industry, you know enough, or you've had the experience, go get on a committee, share your experience, your lived experience can help them be able to develop better standards and situations and for care. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, I like taking a little bit of a dive into some of these every once in a while, because you know, there's a lot of news that you guys won't hear. You just won't. There's too much. What you're going to see now is a lot of fentanyl. Please, when you see a story on fentanyl, read it mm -hmm. because it's becoming so commonplace that we're just scrolling past it. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, it's killing thousands of people. A lot. It's going yeah. to be on track to beat our hundred thousand deaths this last year. Yeah. It we're going to we're going to quickly surpass that. Not only that, the physical damage that happens to you if you don't overdose on it is yeah. the physical things that happen to you. Yeah. I mean, when your central nervous system shuts down for long periods of time, that's not mm-hmm. good. There that's was a, there's a TikToker kid I watch and he does a lot of charity work and he bumped into this kid with Down syndrome and and uh, asked him what his wish was and his wish he wanted to be a wrestler. And so he's kind mm-hmm. of lining him up to do some wrestling and stuff. And then he introduced him to his family and his sister is a, it's a single mom, the, the, the young man with Down syndrome, and then his sister uh, on a date was slipped um, fentanyl. Mm. And because of it, uh, had uh, had some central nervous system issues. Yeah. She went blind. She, she has zero motor uh. function. She can't talk because of an overdose um, that she was given mm. to through, uh, through a date rate situation. Oh, sad. And she was a very promising young woman. And now her life's been stolen. Yeah. You guys out there. Like if, if we would have addressed the fentanyl issue today, we would have probably about a thousand stories today. Yeah. This is not a joke anymore. And, you know, we talk about a lot. The troops aren't coming. We're the troops. And the agents of recovery have covered this a few different times. So go find mm-hmm. some of those episodes. Absolutely. So I want to thank you all for joining us today. Marissa, any final thoughts? No. Keep track of our website, attitudeathlete.org. It's going to be your go-to place. Yeah. Um, things coming up and spring is here and we are thrilled. As we were talking about some of those qualifications, um, Addict to Athlete has its own sober coach program. Yep. Do you want to be a recovery coach, yep. sober coach? Your support, training. Uh-huh. We have a very in-depth training uh, yep. for you to become certified as an Addict to Athlete coach. Yep. Whether that's just to help others, help yourself and family, or to bring Addict to Athlete to your own community, hop on addictathlete.org, look at our personal training, and look at seeing if you can get certified you get invested in there it's a great way to, to give back as a sober coach you'll be trained to work in the here and now in the future to help motivate people to overcome addiction and turn that mess into a message so check it out addictoathlete.org thank you so much radio ronin the radio ronin network for all that you do for us um it's awesome to hear these other podcasts go listen to greg's guide to new music it is awesome greg's got a good ear for music and uh he, he puts it out every every friday so go check mm. it out um, and then a lot of other podcasts on there. The Radio Ronin Network. Thank you all so much for all you do for us. And until next time, athletes, please go turn that mess into a message.